This is ProfCast. I'm Suzette Rolot. In this episode, we are focusing on scholar activism, or more specifically, on scholarly work that is intended to not only educate, but to encourage action and facilitate change. This is a topic that is particularly important to me. Throughout my career, I have intentionally chosen academic topics that had policy relevance. I have studied, for example, issues related to human security, such as the real and human consequences of the international arms trade, a topic that both satisfied my inner activist and passed academic muster. I also developed an academic interest in social movements and transnational activism. So when I had the chance to meet and have a conversation with Dr. Sarah Goldrick Rabb about her work on higher education, I jumped at it and was fortunate she agreed. She is well known for her scholarly work and activism regarding the price of college today, most certainly an issue of justice and fair access. This is my conversation with Sarah about scholar activism. Sarah Goldrick Rabb, this is our second issue of ProfCast. Thank you so much for being with me today. Thanks for having me. So, Sarah, I'd like to focus today on scholar activism. Um, I, too, consider myself a scholar activist. I've been, you know, interested in human rights issues, for example, when I was an undergrad and into graduate school and into my academic career. And so I've always considered the work that I do, the academic work that I do, to have some sort of kind of activist purpose. And and so I really appreciate your work on higher education and uh, studying uh, particularly the cost of, of higher education. You've written a book called Paying the Price about uh, how expensive college uh, education is these days, the obstacles we face. So as a scholar activist, kind of scholar activist to scholar activist here, can you tell me kind of where that came from, why you became uh, an activist in, in, in your academic career, and kind of how you go about doing that? Sure. Well, I mean, I think that I've probably been an activist for a very long time, even since I was a little girl, you know, that I was interested in questions of justice. And if I saw an injustice, I wanted to do something about it. You know, it's not like I grew up wanting to be a professor. And even when I was in graduate school getting a PhD, I really wasn't sure that I wanted to become a professor. Joining the faculty, to me, wasn't necessarily going to lead to changing the world at all. Um, you know, I saw a lot of folks who did really good work and they would write articles and they would publish and they would be, you know, proclaimed to be outstanding scholars, but I didn't see change happening. And so I was trying to find ways to, to use research to create change. And I, I did certainly think about going and working for an advocacy organization, for example. Um, but, you know, life is funny. And at one point I was uh, extended an opportunity to interview for a faculty job at the University of Wisconsin. And I ended up embracing that opportunity and getting that job and set about trying to figure out how as a professor, as a scholar on the tenure track, I could still do the other thing. Right. I really wanted if I found something in my scholarship that mattered I wanted to do something about it and it isn't as if there's a manual for this so I just started to try to craft a life this way so it sounds like, um, and this I, this resonates with me because this whole notion of kind of activism being in your bones, more or less, that you're really looking to affect change. And it is a, a, a justice mission for you, a social justice mission, that you're trying to do something about the cost of higher ed because it's unjust that there are those who can't afford to go to college. And so that, that sounds entirely uh, like, um, you know, putting into practice something that you're studying, not just studying to create knowledge, although... We're surrounded by people in academia who do that, and that's fine. But but actually want to, you know, 
take that in the next step, I guess. And and I appreciate that you said there's no manual, but can you learn to be an activist along these lines? I mean, is it something that you have to be born with in your bones, or can we can we motivate uh, others, other scholars, to perhaps? Uh, find that activist part of their heart? Oh, I think we can. I think the first part, though, is they have to understand they first have to be scholars. And I, I say this to my students all the time. You know, a scholar activist is not an advocate. I don't, I didn't begin this work by saying college costs too much and I'm here to do something about it. I began this work by trying to understand why people didn't finish college. And I found out that price was a very serious problem. And then I began working on, okay, so what are the best ways to lower the price and help people to finish college? Once I figured that out or began to figure that out in terms of my scholarship and my research, then I began to take actions. And to me, that's the scholar activist, right? That's the person who starts with the big commitment to science and then to the action based on that science. I have worked with lots of people through my research teams now, I think, who always wanted to create change in some vague way but didn't know concretely what that could look like. So we can help empower them by teaching them things like, when is it time to write a policy brief based on what you've learned? When should we take the science and translate it? into ways that regular people speak so that they can interact with it? When is it time to go meet with the practitioners and talk about changing how they do their work so they can become more successful? If you give people the tools to do those things, of course some of them will reject it and say that's not what we do as scholars. Others will say, oh, thank goodness, because I'm so tired of publishing articles that go in the library that nobody does anything about. Well, I want to get uh, quickly to your notion of hope. You've said before that hope is a strategy, and you actually ran this lab uh, in at the University of Wisconsin called the Hope Lab. Um, so it, as far as like build, all the things that you've just said, amazing examples of how we need to go about doing this. But at the end of the day, is it really... Um, you know, scholars that have hope that something can change or hope that 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 I myself can actually affect some change. Uh, I, I know that may not be what you meant by hope as a strategy or, or by your hope lab, but at the end of the day, isn't it really that we need to have faith that we actually have a voice and that we can do something about these things we study? Absolutely. And I really appreciate that you connected hope to faith. Um, I don't mean that in a deeply religious sense. That's not who I am. But I do think that 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 what faith is, is a commitment to trying to do better. And optimism is another way of thinking about this. You know, it is so easy to get so upset about what's going on in this world right now. But to be upset and yet motivated to do something better, right, that's productive. And so when I say hope is a strategy, it is a necessary but insufficient condition, right? We need to be hopeful and to know that the hope will work if, as long as we also then get the tools that we need to actually implement a strategy. And I say this again because time and time again, especially working in the public sector, I am faced with people who are so beleaguered you know, people who are underpaid and under-resourced in the nation's community colleges being confronted by homeless community college students, it is really easy to despair. It is really easy to say, I'm getting out of here, right? I can't do this anymore. The, f the good news is we can. We really can do better than this because, frankly, the problems that have put us here in the first place, they're not all that complicated. They reflect people's choices and decisions, and therefore they can be changed. And so 
I just think it is so important, especially as scientists who know that the process matters, right? The scientific process is the core of what we do, that we can do the same thing when it comes to our actions, that we can have a hypothesis that this might work and we can work through it and we can tweak it and we can change it so that we get it right. Such excellent advice, Sarah. Um, but let me finish with this. Um, I teach a course at my university about international activism because I focus on international education. And um, one of the things, of course, I talk about with my students is that uh, all these things, these, these, this kind of process that you're talking about, going from science first, being being a scholar first, putting that into action. But then when the action part comes, kind of the methods or the, the tools that you have at your disposal to actually do that. And you mentioned a bit of that in terms of reaching out to practitioners and that sort of thing. But one of the things, of course, we talk about a lot now, and my students really understand, I'm sure yours do too, is the media and social media in particular, and how social media has allowed us and perhaps enhanced um, our ability to be scholar activists, to be scientists and uh, proactive in what we in, in trying to make affect change in in some area. You you've been featured all over the media. You've been on the Daily Show with Trevor Noah. You obviously have a, a lot of Twitter followers. You're very active on social media. Is this really uh, the the way in which we need to focus our activism today? Is in that realm really kind of marketing our ideas, if you if you will, uh, for lack of a better way of putting it, I guess marketing our ideas and sharing that science that knowledge. And, and really encouraging and facilitating a change uh, from from there. Well, I mean, I, I, I think it has one piece, it's one piece of the puzzle. And I'm grateful, frankly, for the creation of social media in this sense, because it's democratizing, right? I'm able to engage people in conversations who I would never have reached from sitting there in Madison, Wisconsin. You know, and that, that was always a hard thing for me. I wanted to be able to talk to people from all sorts of places, and they weren't necessarily, you know, in my backyard. I tend to think, though, about what the scholar activist does via the media as not so much marketing, but as education, because I'm not selling anything, right? I'm actually not trying to get you to buy my product or adopt my idea wholeheartedly. I am trying to get you to engage with the idea so that you can add your own thoughts to it so we can make it better together. And so the utilization of venues, whether it's The Daily Show or a radio show or a podcast or whatever it is, this is another form of teaching. And the more that I've come to understand that, I mean, I'll admit as an assistant professor, I thought it was just glamorous. It's really not. It's really excruciatingly hard work to do well. What you're trying to do is connect to people through a medium, which you often can't even see them. And you're trying to help them do what we try to do in classrooms, which is to introduce new ideas and ways of thinking and help them learn. Sarah, thank you so much for being here today. This is a wonderful conversation. Um, you know, we need more scholar activists in, in our world today. We have a lot of, unfortunately, we have a lot of, uh, of issues and problems and obstacles that we face. And so we need, we need more people to step up and do these sort of things. So thank you for the work that you do. And thank you for being here with us today on ProfCast. Thanks for having me. That was my conversation with Sarah Goldrick-Rabb about being a scholar activist in the academic world today. As she mentioned, the most important part of being a scholar activist is being a scholar, that scientific research should be the motivation and an ability to make change based on that research the outcome. Whatever your academic passion might be, don't hesitate to get involved and take a stand. Just be sure to do your scholarly scientific work first. 
Thanks for joining us on ProfCast.